Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Those are all good things. And what we're going to do this morning is try to define the Holy Spirit, but we're going to let God do that, right? God, the thing about the Holy Spirit is, it's the it's the expression, the part of God that we never want to talk about because it just freaks us out. But it really shouldn't be that weird. What I mean by that is, is when you think of yourself, you have different roles, different expressions of who you are. Like, for example, to my wife, I'm a husband. Like, that's my main job. To my kids, my primary job is being a dad. Um, for some people that go to Riviera, oh, yeah, he surfs. For kids on the baseball team of one of my kids, oh, he's a coach. Like, you have a different title, a different role, a different expression, right? And yet God is one, and yet he's defined himself as different. That's the Trinity. Now, we're not going to spend most of our time going into the Trinity part of it. We're going to focus on the Holy Spirit. But for us to say that we believe in the Holy Spirit, we should probably get a handle on what does that mean, knowing that we will never, never fully know God. So don't feel like you failed. Like, I don't have the answer to this. It's understandable to not know fully God. And that's part of why we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so this is how God defines himself. He defines himself in Hebrew as um, spirit or ruach, right? Which I'm sure you don't know that word. Um, But that word is the understanding of the breath of God. So like if we look here in Genesis 1, immediately the spirit of God is present. The Spirit of God has always been here. In fact, Genesis 1-2, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Ruach was hovering over the waters. The Ruach of God. The Ruach is, is, well, someone said, like when, Rick said it, when Jesus breathed over his disciples. Now that seems a little weird, doesn't it? To breathe over someone. Have you ever done that? No, I have and it was Christian, it was the Metzger's fault. When we were renewing our vows, they go, oh, there's this Hawaiian tradition. So Steph and I are renewing our vows, our 10-year um, renewing of our vows, and we're in Hawaii, and it's just a few of us, and Kristen was there and a couple other people, and we're sitting there on the beach, and she goes, oh, you know, we have this thing here we do in Hawaii called a honey. I was like, uh-oh, she's going to get weird. And sure enough, Cindy got weird. And she talked about us breathing on each other. She didn't make me do that, but it was that sense of breathing life into someone. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is a pattern you're going to know about the Holy Spirit. That breath of life that we see here in Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. That understanding for the Hebrews, when they were trying to explain how God revealed himself, his spirit to them, they used the word ruach because they understood that when God shows up, that life shows up. And so as we're trying to discuss who the Holy Spirit is, it's really not that weird. Because you know the spirit of God is present or has been present by the fact that there is life there now. And so that idea of, of, of us breathing on each other means you're sharing your life with the other person. So... If any of you haven't got married yet, you're welcome to do the honey where you breathe on each other. I'm not going to do it, but hey, do what you want to do because that's where it came from, that idea which is understandable to us to breathe life into someone. 
And so the breath of God, the spirit of God, the Ruach, is breathing life into. And what happens whenever the Holy Spirit's around? Something happens. That is the movement of God. The Holy Spirit is not just this presence, this expression of God that is just for us to, like, witness. The Holy Spirit gets things done. When the Holy, when you, if this week, when you're in your home groups, when you look and you Google Holy Spirit in the Bible, when you look at it, you're going to see this pattern. Whenever the Holy Spirit is there, something is happening. Just here in these two verses in the beginning. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What's going to happen next? Everything. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. That's what the breath of God does. It creates. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then what happened? These bones and the skin, and then there was life, real life, because that's what the Spirit of God does. When you are interacting with God, you are not interacting with Jesus. You are not interacting with the Father. You are interacting with the Spirit of God. That is who we interact with. And we're going to get into that later. Let's look at some other ways in which we see this pattern of when the Holy Spirit shows up, things happen. Things get done. Isaiah 61. This should be a very familiar passage to you because Jesus uses this prophecy of the Messiah to define himself. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. So the Spirit, the breath of God, is on him And then when he's on him, this is what happens. The two, which means there's a cause and an effect. The spirit is on him, two, for the reason of proclaiming good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. If we are going to do something that matters, then we need the spirit of God to fill us, put life into us, and then he creates. Because that's what happens with the spirit of God. Let's look at Exodus 31. This is another way that we see the Spirit of God producing, but in a way that you probably wouldn't imagine. So this is Moses. They're getting ready, um, talking about the tabernacle. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel. Bezalel is a person. And he happens to be the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him, Bezalel, with the Spirit of God in wisdom in understanding, and in knowledge. So this man, Bezalel, God is saying, look, Moses, get him, because I have filled him. I have breathed into him. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Okay, are you guys catching that? The Spirit of God is going into Bezalel so that he has this gift of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver and in bronze and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Think of that. That is breathing into this man so that he can produce, so that he can produce the things that are needed for this tabernacle, things of beauty, things that you might not think are important but are so important because when you see beauty you see the after effects of God coming through. In the Greek, the word spirit is pneuma. If you've done any, well, that word pops up in all kinds of things. Pneumatic, which means air-driven. Pneumatic, which means the wind or the air. So it's talking about breath, but especially about wind. 
And so the, you notice that the, the windows are open. And so you see the, you know, usually do we do this, but you see the curtains flopping back and forth. I dare you to try to describe to our elementary kids back there right now what wind is. What would you say? Well, you see, it's, I, I still don't quite understand what, I mean, I know it's the energy pushing through and pushing particles and, and yeah, whatever. Like that's going to make sense to really any of us. We just know what the right answer is to give, but we don't understand it. But would anybody deny that there's a wind? Would anybody deny that there's something that's pushing that? You can't hold it. You can't see it, but you know it exists. When you see the leaves, the leaves flying off of a tree, or you see a flag flop in the air, or you see the waves being blown out, you know that the wind is present. You can't really fully understand the mystery of that. You can't really grasp it. You can't see it, but you know it's there. There are times in our lives where we see God move. We can't grab him, we can't hold him, but we see the spirit of God moving. Um, I had a, uh, a moment a week and a half ago, one of the artists at our church um, brought some pieces of artwork into the office and said, hey, if you can use any of this. And I asked her to bring it in. And so she brought it in because I knew it went with what we were trying to do. And, you know, she's an artist. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you get this, curious. You never want to show people your stuff because you don't want to say, hey, here's some good stuff for you. Like, no artist is ever going to say that. They're all humbled by their stuff. And so she's just kind of, well, whatever. I'm sure you won't use any of it. And then she has this picture. And it's a picture, and she's done artsy things with it. I can't really explain what she did with it. But it's a picture of a person holding a baby's foot. So all you see is the hand and the little baby's foot. And on it, it said faith. And I'm describing it to you, and you're like, okay, what? Well, I just started crying. Something happened there, and I couldn't explain it, but I, that was, for me, at that moment, what I needed to hear from God. And it was such beauty there. Feeling overwhelmed as a leader, a spiritual leader, I'm like, yeah, right, me? Are you serious? And yet I felt God saying, look, faith, that's all you have to do. Just sit there in my hands. I got this. And when I saw that title, Faith, I don't know if anyone else is going to get that, but I'm like, I need that in the office. I need all of us to be reminded, people that come in here. And they may see it and go, oh, cool, baby's foot, awesome. But there was beauty there. And for me to describe what happened, I can't, but I knew the presence of God was there at that moment. And he used her like he did Bezalel by filling her with this gift. And she's taking it for granted. And yet all of you have these gifts and abilities, and God has given those to you for a reason. The Spirit of God has given those to you. And you're like, oh, what good is this? Because it breathes life into people. God has given all of us that ability. We have been created for the purpose of holding God's Spirit so that He can move in us to breathe life into others. Luke chapter 4 is another example of the Spirit of God and yet the Spirit of God is filling Jesus. Okay, you want your mind to really be blown now? Like, wait, Jesus, who is God, is being filled by himself. Yes. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And remember, whenever the Holy Spirit shows up, things happen. Things get done. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Spirit is moving Jesus where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. 
The Spirit of God is leading him for a purpose. So that he will be tested. So that he will be tried. And he will come out stronger through it. The Spirit of God, as we've talked about before, will lead us sometimes into the wilderness for a purpose. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, things happen. Things get done. There is movement. And I just chose these four verses. The Bible is filled with so many. And I hope this week that you look into these examples. And don't just hear me saying it, but see it for yourself. Because as you see God moving in the Scriptures, then you will be able to more fully recognize God moving in your life. And it won't be such a surprise. You're like, well, that's happened to me. Oh, I see that. Oh, I've been led this way. Oh, these gifts? God has filled me with this for a purpose? So let's go to this, though. I want us to go to Jesus himself talking specifically about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go to John 14, 8. And Philip is one of um, the disciples, and he asks Jesus this question. Actually, not really a question as much as a statement, a command. He's commanding Jesus almost. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I mean, for so many of us, we've been following the Lord for a while, and yet, if not every week, every day, we're like, God, can I see you? Will you show me you? I just want to see you. And Philip is talking to Jesus. Jesus has already prior to this defined himself and said, listen, Philip, disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. These are different moments of Jesus describing, look, if you've seen me, you've seen God. And yet his response here is different. He could have responded like he did before, but he responds differently. And this is how he responds in verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is trying to describe to Philip, you want to see the Father? This is what you need to see. Remember, they tried to talk Jesus out of dying. And he said, I need to go. Because if I go, then God will be able to send you the Spirit. At Pentecost, wait there for the Spirit of God. And the Spirit shows up and things happen. And so Philip wants to see the Father. And Jesus said, yes, you will. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. Okay, if you're looking at your Bible, some of you, it doesn't say counselor. Because that's a word that you can define different ways. The word is paraclete. Para means to come right next to, to come alongside. Someone that comes alongside. So it says another counselor. Well, if there's another counselor, there must have been a first counselor. Who's the other counselor? Jesus. In fact, in the letters written by some of the disciples, they called Jesus the paraclete. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to send another paraclete, another counselor. Another way to say that word is another helper or an advocate. To send another counselor, advocate, helper, to be with you forever. The Spirit. Notice that word's capitalized. If you look in your Bibles and you see capital S for Spirit, that means, if it's in the New Testament, it is um, 
Numa. Uh, if you're seeing it in the Old Testament, it's Ruach. So you're seeing the description of the Spirit of God. And this Spirit, the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. So this is going to happen. We live in those times now where the Spirit of God is in you. And yet for many of you, you're like, I don't think so. I don't really think so because you doubt, you expect something else. You expect something dramatic or supernatural or out of control. But if you look at the characteristics of the Spirit of God, whenever the Spirit of God shows up, what happens? Do you see that in your life? Now, there are times when you're not living by the Spirit, but living by the flesh. But once you decide to follow Jesus, there is a promise here. And it's not just one time. This is throughout Scripture where Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come and live in you. And you have the opportunity to live by the Spirit. That should freak you out. That should overwhelm you. But that's what I saw when I saw that picture. I saw that picture of the hand holding that little baby's foot. And that's what I feel like sometimes. So incapable. So un inspiring to be able to hold the Spirit of God. And yet, you were created to be the vessel of the Holy Spirit. I want us to finish up here in 1 Corinthians 6. Because I use that word vessel, and I use it confidently when I'm standing here, but I have to be honest with you, it was, it was a word I didn't really understand. In fact, I don't know if it was high school, I think it was even through college. We talk about blood vessels, and I would nod, yeah, the blood vessels. I had no idea what a blood vessel was. I actually thought it was the cells themselves. I'm like, is that like a little, what's a blood vessel? A vessel is actually really easy to figure out. I didn't, was too embarrassed to ask the question, so I never did. And we never used the word vessel, right? Have you ever said that? Oh, could you plan in my coffee vessel, please? I need my coffee vessel. Can you pass that milk vessel? Can you pass that over? Hey, I ran out of gas. Can you bring your gas vessel? No one brings that. But a vessel is something that holds something else. So when you say a blood vessel, it was really easy. I wish someone had explained it to me. It's where the blood goes. It's what holds the blood. It's the, it, the blood flows through it. Arteries, veins, blood vessels. And so if you burst the blood vessel, there's a leak, right? And so here, in 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples or vessels of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Temples, that word, it's, it's kavod, and it's a, it's a word that is also used to mean to hold. Like a coffee cup. Pretty sure all of you got that one wired. If not, you, you do tea, same thing. But the vessel that holds it, you are a clay vessel that holds this treasure. This treasure being the spirit of God. But you hold it for a purpose. When Jesus said that the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, we are so trained to think, oh yes, because then I'll be filled up. But if your blood vessels could talk, they weren't like, oh great, finally I'm full. No, they have a job to do, right? They have a job to, to let the blood flow through them to bring life to the rest of the body. In the same way, you are the kavod of the Holy Spirit. You are the vessel of the Holy Spirit so that God can be in you, so that you can help fill others. 
Now, there are times, and you may have woke up this morning, and you said, I don't have it today. I, I don't even know why. I don't even want to move. And somehow you made it. Maybe that's where the rest of everybody else is. Maybe they woke up this morning, and they just said, I, 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 I just don't have it today. I, I, don't, I just want to sit in bed. I just want to watch football. I just want to watch a movie and disappear. I feel so empty. I feel so uninspired. You know what they need? They need someone that is willing to be filled, to come and to fill them up. Because that's our purpose for holding the Holy Spirit, to build each other up, to care for each other. Because when the Spirit shows up, things get done. And when the Spirit shows up in you, you then become a blessing, a a breath of life to others. That is what God created us for. Here's another way to look at that. There's a book called Aspire, and I love it. It's just about words. And in this book, the author talks about um, what it means to be inspired. If you're a musician or you're an artist or even at work, you're like, oh, I got inspired. Or if you're a parent and you're thinking about with your kids and you're like, oh, I got inspired to do something for our family. What does that mean to be inspired? What does it mean to give an inspirational talk? I saw one this week where someone, this coach, his intention was with our players to like, come on, guys, we can do this. Didn't work. (laughs) There wasn't breath of life that went into them. They just got scared. But that was his intent, to inspire them, to breathe life into them. The word inspiration, spire, means breath. And so when you say to inspire, it means to put breath into, to put the breath of life into someone. So when you're being inspired, that means the breath of life has come into you. When you, in your life, have brought inspiration to others... What you have done is breathe life into them. My, uh, I think it's Maya Angelou said this. She said, people will not remember what you said or what you did, but they will remember what they felt like when they were around you, how you made them feel. Think about that for a second. Of course, you can think about the other people that inspire you. In fact, if there are people in your life that have that let the Spirit of God use them and they have breathe life into you, they need to hear that. Because they may be one of the people this morning that couldn't get up. And they need to be reminded, no, you are God's vessel. Thank you for letting him use you in my life. The word expire. I don't know if you know that word very well. We don't use it too often, except when you go to Trader Joe's and you get any fruit from there. Sorry if there's any people that work at Trader Joe's or owners there. You need to talk to the management. Because I love Trader Joe's, but it's gotten to the point where I cannot get fruit or vegetables from there. Especially the fruit because it will expire as soon as I get it. I got strawberries there on Friday and Saturday I went to eat them and there was white on them. What does expire mean? What does it mean when milk is expired? Half and half expired. It means that the life has been sucked out of it. X means out. Spire means breath. So it means the breath of life has been sucked out of it. And I saw those in those strawberries. The life was sucked out of them. You know what I'm talking about, right? So as human beings then, what does it mean when we inspire and what does it mean when we expire? Of course, expire, we think, you mean dead? Yes. But you know what? You can be expired and still breathing because someone's sucking the life out of you. And that's how we can know when the Spirit of God is working in us. Imagine you're in a conversation with someone. In the midst of that conversation, when you phase out of what they're saying, because we all know we do that right there talking, and you're nodding, but you're really not listening to them, that's a good opportunity to say, you know what, in my interaction with this person, have I been inspiring or expiring right now? 
when you're in the middle of a fight with somebody, whether someone close or someone else, are you breathing life into them or are you pulling out? Because if you're breathing life into them, the Holy Spirit is most likely moving. If not, that means the Holy Spirit's there, but he's not active. You're not living by the Spirit and letting that Spirit create life. You're instead sucking it out. And let's be straight out honest here. We all do that. And we go through phases. And I'm in one of those phases now where I'm more of an expirer than an inspirer. And I'm getting in that habit where I'm... I think of it with my kids sometimes. I'm thinking they're going, oh, crap, dad's home. Wouldn't that be just the worst thought ever? And yet I know that's what's happening right now. We all go in those flows. We don't beat ourselves up and go, oh, I'm so bad. It's an understanding. Well, look. I've been created as a vessel for the Holy Spirit. I've been created as a vessel to hold the breath of God so that God's Spirit can move and breathe life into other people. So if that's not happening, it's just because I'm not letting that happen. I know who Jesus is. I know who the Father is. I now understand a little bit more about the Holy Spirit, but I understand more about who I am. And I know that when I'm inspiring people and blessing other people that I'm right where I need to be. And I cannot stand myself when I'm an expirer. Well, stop wasting your time beating yourself up. Just focus on who you are. You are a vessel of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You have that. And that is who the Holy Spirit is. And that's a gift. I want to invite the worship team up. And the worship team is going to lead us in this music. This music is intended for us to breathe back to God. To be a blessing to God. I was sitting with my daughter this week and um, she's praying. And every time she prays, she goes, dear God, thank you. Da, 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 and God bless you. And I think it annoyed Steph because I said, Karis, are you wanting God to bless himself? What are you doing right now? She's six, right? Like pastor dad here. So I don't recommend this conversation. But what does that mean? What does it mean to bless yourself? Well, in this, in this idea of this music... These prayers put to music, it's us giving praises to God, breathing back to God. Um, And then at times, you're going to be in the midst of worship when you breathe in and bless God. And it's going to sound weird, but you've experienced it if you've done this before. God is going to bless you back. He breathes into you during the worship. Wait, worship's for God, right? And then somehow it comes for us. But if you enter into worship going, okay, I'm coming because I need to get something. I'm coming to grab something. You're sucking the life out of something. Let God give it to you when he's ready to give it to you. But you come to give rather than to receive. And you'll see that God breathes back. Um, you can't control God. He shows up. Like, this is how Jesus de- de- um, described the Holy Spirit to Nicodemus. He said, you need to be born again. Huh? You need to be born of the Spirit, of the breath of God. And he said this about the wind. The wind comes from where you don't know and it goes where it wants. And that's how the Spirit of God is. You cannot control God. We can only present ourselves to him like a sail. Say, God, fill me up. I'm here. I want to be used by you. And I want to be used to bless others and breathe life into them. So if you could stand with me and we'll pray. We're going to take the offering and and this is another way that we try to give back to God. He doesn't need our money, but we give it to him to bless others. But the best offering that we could give God is not our tithes, but yourself. And so during this time of of offering, you're offering yourself back to the Lord. Let's pray.
Father, we present ourselves to you. Um, We are excited about the possibilities of you living in us and us living that out and allowing you full reign and full domain in our lives to move us, to breathe life into others. So Father, as we look at this um, Apostles' Creed that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Father, we do trust and rely and have confidence in your spirit to move. But we also have doubts and we rely on ourselves. So Father, we confess to you before everyone that we want to be filled by you, to trust and have confidence in your spirit. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.